So our vision for the year is, uh, um, is about running our best lap yet, about running our best yet lap yet for God. You know, the Bible talks about the analogy of us being in a, in a race. So the Christian life is, is a journey, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a race. And, and we believe that God wants us to run our best lap yet. We've had a few interesting couple of years um, in terms of how church was affected in lots of, different, lots of different ways. And we kept going, but in a very different way online. Um, but we believe that we're coming out of that now, and God just wants us to, to run our best lap yet. The, for 2022, to be our best lap yet for God. Amen? And all that he, God desires to do in us, all that God desires to do through us. And that starts with us almost like you know, getting our um, attitude right, if I can say it in that way. As in, you know, make a decision to, get, to make it our best lap yet. Amen? It always starts with, starts with a decision. Um, amen? Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2, the writer of Hebrews says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, remember this comes on the, off the back of Hebrews 11, where they basically just listed all the great people of faith uh, throughout the Old Testament, and Abraham, and Noah, and Moses, and Gideon, and kind of goes through a whole long, uh, long list of all these amazing people and what God did in their lives. So that's coming off the back of that. Okay? Remember, the Bible wasn't written in chapters originally. It's just how we, we've divvied it up. Okay? So it's just, it was just one long discourse. So that's what it's talking about. Therefore, since we're surrounded by the great, such a great cloud of witnesses, all those great people of faith that have come before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we were talking about this, about um, in, a, in a spiritual sense, taking off our kind of lockdown slippers. Lockdown was an interesting time, wasn't it? Uh, in lots of different different ways. Um, there were some good aspects of it at some point. I spent lots of time with the family. It was all and, and the weather was weather was great. There were some parts of it were incredibly <laughs> difficult and challenging. Those who were homeschooling, especially if you had really young kids, homeschooling, trying to work from home. It was insane, wasn't it? Just a crazy, crazy, crazy time. The, the expectations of stuff we had to do. But anyway, but, but we're through that. Praise the Lord. But but and and a lot of people end up on furlough, ended up not having to uh, not having to work, um, obviously not on full pay either. So it was a challenging time for many people. Um, you know, but what what was really important is we didn't go on spiritual furlough. We didn't go on to spiritual furlough. Amen. It wasn't just like a break. Well, oh, God's not God for the last two years. <laughs> God has been God, you know, through it all. So let's not ever get into a spiritual furlough kind of line of thinking. In a spiritual sense, let's take off our lockdown slippers. Let's be ready to run with all that God has. For us, amen. And then, and Paul, uh, Paul, I was going to say Paul, but don't you know who wrote Hebrews? Paul wrote most of the New Testament, but don't you know who wrote Hebrews? Paul didn't say it was him, which he did about all his other books, so presumed it wasn't Paul. Anyway, so Paul didn't say that, but the writer of Hebrews says he was just encouraging us to run our best race and to lay aside everything that hinders. There's things that can hold, hold us back. We did a practical demonstration with my son Jack a few weeks ago. You may remember we just kind of had a rucksack on and full of weights and just how much harder it is to run when, when, we're, when we're burdened and, and hindered by stuff. And God doesn't, that's not ever God's desire for us or God's plan for us. He wants us to run unhindered, to throw those things off. And, and two weeks ago, we did something different last week, but two weeks ago we spoke about unforgiveness. And I want to talk some more, uh, some more about that this morning because I believe some more God wants to... God wants to say. You know, unforgiveness is one of those things when we're, when we're living in unforgiveness, when there's people in our lives that we haven't, haven't forgiven and, and moved on from, it causes us a whole load of issues. It will hinder us. It will hold us back. It, it, it affects us emotionally. It makes it so hard to move on. It, it, it will burden us. It will consume us. It will consume our thinking. You know, and that's never, God doesn't want us to ever be in that position. 
Remember, the, Jesus said, you know, he the Son sets free is free indeed. God, God wants us to, to live free and to, to run free for him, not to be burdened, not to be burdened by stuff. You know, when we, we can't move on from unforgiveness, it makes us focus on what has been. It makes us focus on what's happened to us rather than what is ahead. You know, and Jesus had a lot to say about unforgiveness. He had loads to say about it. So we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus said. And we looked at this a couple, a couple of weeks ago, but there's some different stuff I want to say off the back of it. So we looked at one of Jesus' great parables, the parable of the unmerciful servant, one of Jesus' incredible stories, incredibly uh, simple to understand, but, in, but also incredibly profound about how things work and what the, what the kingdom of God looks like. So it says this, Then Peter came to Jesus, Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me, up to seven times. Remember Peter, we said this two weeks ago, but Peter thought he was really spiritual at that point. Uh, Peter was always trying to be spiritual, trying to, trying, to, trying to look good, and he did have some great moments, um, but also had some moments that weren't so great, because he would say the first thing that came into his head, which kind of got him into trouble sometimes. But he thought this was a really spiritual answer. Seven was kind of the number of completion, and he thought, oh, you know, Jesus is going to be well impressed by this. I'm prepared to forgive up to seven times. <laughs> and, and Jesus is like, no, I'll tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Or some translations say 70 times seven, which is, even, which is 490, even more. So, just, so Jesus kind of just challenged that thinking. And then tells a story in order to, to illustrate his point. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. As he began a settlement, a man who owned him, owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. And that was common, sadly, in those, in those days where slavery was a huge issue um, in biblical times. Obviously, God wasn't okay with it, but it was part of the culture um, at that time. In the Roman Empire, slavery was, was, was rife. It was everywhere, including, including child slavery. It was awful. A lot of stuff that used to go on. And if you couldn't pay a debt, it's not like it is now, where you might, you know, they might come and take your TV, take your car, or in the worst case, take your house if you don't pay your mortgage for ages. Um, you know, in those days, you would become a slave. You, you basically had the way you repaid the debt is you, you became a slave in order to repay it. So they could take you, basically. They could take you and they could take your family. I mean, that's how crazy it was. So that was, that was very common. So anyway, verse 26. At this, a servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins or 100 denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. The master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's challenging words, right? This is what Jesus said. So we've got, we've got to deal with the realities of the challenge of what Jesus of what Jesus said here and the point he was making through the the profound point he was making. So it teaches us two different things, and we did do this uh, talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but we'll move on to something different in a second. What does all teach us? Firstly, it teaches us that the unmerciful servant in this story he didn't appreciate what he'd been forgiven from. And this is, this is very, very key for us in the Christian life to understand what we, and have a revelation of what we have been forgiven from. The debt that, is, the debt that Jesus dealt with on the cross. The, the weight of sin, that debt of sin that Jesus has dealt with and forgiven us. And, and, and you know, Do we appreciate what, what's happened? What, what's happened there? Do we appreciate what has happened through the redemption of the cross? You know, it says here that the guy, 
he owned 10,000 10, bags of gold or 10,000 talents. You know, I did a bit of maths on this. You just kind of just Google and looked it up. It would, would have taken him 200, on the average wage, which is about a denarii a day, it would have taken him 200,000 years to repay the debt. So it's interesting because he actually says, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, do every, I'll, I'll do everything. Please forgive me. I'm going to repay the debt. He couldn't possibly repay this debt. You know, and put it into, into modern money. It's equivalent to about five billion pounds, okay, to put this into modern because you have to kind of understand this because otherwise you kind of think, um, you know, just kind of the huge point that Jesus was making here. It's like equivalent to about five billion, okay? I'll tell you, us about 200, if you, on the average wage in the UK, you work for 200,000 years, you'd be a billionaire. So, so, so you live to 200,000, you get to five billion, awesome. Okay, but, but the point of Jesus was making is about the monumental debt this man had been forgiven. He couldn't possibly repay it even if he'd wanted to, even if he tried. And that's what we've been redeemed from, from the cross, amen? We've been redeemed, the debt has been redeemed or paid in full. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says in this, there we go, there it is. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You know, redemption is an incredible thing what Jesus has done on the cross. Everything we've ever done wrong or could ever do wrong, Jesus has paid the price for it. Aren't you glad about that, amen? Jesus, Jesus has dealt with it and, and, and paid it. And, and it was, and, and, and it kind of put in sin terms, it was like a five billion pound debt. It was a debt we couldn't possibly ever repay. And, and, and I said this two weeks ago, but it's, it's, a, it's a huge dividing line between Christianity and all other kind of religions or, or faiths. It's because we know we can't possibly get to God's standards in, in, in our own strength. We're not, we're not trying, we're not trying to force it, we're not trying to jump through hoops. We're not trying to just to make ourselves just a little bit better. We're not just trying to hope that we go to heaven because we might have done enough good deeds. We don't think we have to go and knock on people's doors because that will make God like us. And all those kind of things that, that people, people do. Because we understand it's all because of the cross. It's all because of Jesus. And there's, there's nothing else. Ephesians 2 verse 9 and 10 makes it very clear that it is by grace that we have been saved. Not that anyone should boast. We can't, we can't boast about it. Hey, look how amazing it is. <laughs> I'm a Christian. Because it's all because of Jesus. We've done nothing other than accept it, other than accept that reality. And that's a huge dividing line between us and all other faiths, where they're all trying to earn whatever kind of God they believe in, or gods they believe in. Um, they're, they're trying to earn acceptance from, from, from their gods. But we understand, it, as Christians, we can't possibly repay that debt. So, you know, if, you, if you're going through life thinking, oh, God, if I just do this, God will love me, God will, God will accept me, I just need to, just to try a bit harder. I, my, my advice as a pastor is just stop it. I'm serious. Just stop doing that. Stop it. Because it's all because of the cross. That's why we have acceptance. That's why we have a relationship with Jesus. Amen? So that's the first lesson. Is do we understand what we're being forgiven from? Because the unmerciful servant clearly didn't, he didn't get it. He was, he was clueless about the monumental debt he'd been forgiven from. And secondly, forgiving as a Christian is, is not optional. Mm, that's a big one, no? Forgiving is not optional. Amen? There's a lot of things as Christians that isn't, isn't optional. And forgiving is another one. You know, the unmerciful servant, again, he just didn't realize that. So when we appreciate the debt that God has forgiven us from, how can we not forgive others who, who have wronged us? This is the huge fundamental point Jesus was making here. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about forgiving ourselves. That so often we can be so stuck in our past and, and thinking about the things that we might have done in our past, the person we used to be before we were a Christian, the kind of the old creation, as we often call it. We're now brand new creations in Christ, as Paul says. Uh, we can think about our old life, and we struggle to forgive ourselves. You know, things we might have said, relationships that might have broken down, just things that may have just gone disastrously wrong, or we're just not happy with the person that we used to be. And, and we, but we don't forgive ourselves. Or even just now, still in the Christian life. You know, we, we mess up, and we, we confess it and put it right with God, but we struggle to forgive ourselves. You know, and, God, and that, again, will hinder us. So that's something we need to break, break through. Amen? You know, uh, Pastor Colin Urquhart, who, who 
he died uh, was about, probably about a year ago or so now, had a great relationship with, with Family Church and spoke at our last Empower conference, the last one we had just before COVID, uh, March, a couple of years ago. Um, he, he, one thing he talked about was about the first, first minute, is what he called the message. He talked about the first minute and how in, in, in when we go into our prayer times with God, is if there's stuff we need to get right with God, he said, just spend a minute doing it. It's literally a minute, 60 seconds. He said, in that minute, everything will get sorted with God. He said, but so often, and this is kind of human nature, we think we've got to try and earn something with God. We'll like, pray for two hours or put on sackcloth and ashes. We're not in the Old Testament. We're now under grace, right? And beat ourselves up about it. And the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins, pure for us, more than righteous. Just spend a minute doing it. It's then dealt with. God has forgiven it and forgotten about it. It's like, stop bringing it up. God's already forgotten about it, right? Amen? So anyway, let's be people who forgive ourselves. But I want to talk about forgiving others this morning. So how can we not forgive others who have wronged us when we, if we can appreciate what God has forgiven us from that monumental debt? So the servant in this story, he was owed a debt. Um, so the servant who owed five, and he was owed by, owed by another servant, as Jesus said, and he was owed a debt of about 100 silver coins or 100 denarii. As I said, a denarii is equal to, um, sorry, 100 denarii is equal to about 100 days' wages. It's the average wage was a denarii a day, okay? which he refused to give. So to put that in kind of modern equivalent, it's probably around six to 7,000, okay, to put that in based on our kind of minimum wage or average wage. It's about six, six or seven grand, okay? So one, so one guy, he owed, he owed five billion, and then that same servant who was wiped off that monumental debt he could never repay, he was owed debt of six, six or 7,000, tiny, not a tiny debt, but it's tiny in comparison uh, the, to the debt he had wiped out, Okay? You know, and that is what God has done for us. How can we not forgive others? Compared to the debt that we've been repaid, how can we refuse to forgive others? Right? I always say this at this stage when we talk about forgiveness, about kind of pastoral disclaimer, just chuck it out there. You know, because some of you have been through this real tough stuff in your life. Stuff that me and Wendy may not even know about. And only God knows, or others who are really close to you. You know, if you've been through some real difficult stuff, and it could be abuse situations in any, every context, what that means, it could be lots of different things that could have happened, relationships that have broken down, gone horribly wrong, is, is forgiving doesn't make what happened to you okay. It's very clear to say that. It doesn't mean just thinking, oh, well, just I'll just shut that out, um, and, and I'll forgive them and just kind of move on, although we do need to forgive, but it doesn't make what happened to you okay. And if you need, need counseling, you want to come talk to me, and when, if you need professional counseling, then I'd encourage you to do that, okay, just to work through that, work through that stuff, you know, because they're very real situations. So we're not just talking about ignoring stuff that happened here. Okay? It's really, really important to say that. Just pretend it didn't happen and it will go away. That's not what the Bible's talking about here. Okay? And if you need help with that and you need to talk it through, then, then, then do that and come and chat to us. We'd love to help you with it. Okay? But, but the reality is we do need to forgive others. We do need to forgive people. Even if the stuff that's happened to us has been horrendous, we do need to walk in forgiveness. Jesus, Jesus had to walk in forgiveness day after day after day. People let him down. They, they messed him up. They wanted him, they wanted him dead or then did kill him. You know, even on the cross itself, Jesus said, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. Even on the cross, Jesus was still full of unforgiveness. Uh, still unforgiveness. Still full of, don't quote me on that one. So I have to edit, edit that out later. Um, was still full of forgiveness even on the cross. Amen? Even at that point, his heart was still for others. Even though he, he was being abused in every sense, physically and emotionally, he was being abused and humiliated. And the very people who should have understood who he was as the Messiah were the very ones who wanted him, wanted him dead. And they got the crowd on their side by that point. Jesus said, forgive them, but they don't even know what they're doing. So the Bible is full of scriptures on forgiving others. Ephesians 4 verse 32, Paul says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ. Again, this is where it's key. Just as in Christ, God forgave 
you. It talks about being kind and compassionate, and that's reflective of the character of God. Amen? There's lots of Psalms that talk about, Jesus, uh, talk about God being gracious and compassionate. Amen? Slow to anger and, and, and rich in love. It's one of the fruit of the, the, the nine fruit of the Spirit, which are not nine individual fruit, but all make the fruit of the Spirit. Now, one of them is, is kindness. Amen? Be kind and compassionate to one another, just as Christ forgiving, just as Christ God forgave you. Luke 6, verse 37 says this, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll, you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So what Jesus is saying, and often this, this scripture, in my, in my pastoral opinion, gets taken out of context, and they start relating it to giving financially, whereas it's done, it's done, Jesus didn't mention money in this scripture. Um, so I don't think it's related. To, I mean, you could potentially apply it to that but jesus doesn't mention money in the scripture at all he's clearly talking about forgiveness and only forgiveness i don't know how you could really read anything else into that um do not condemn you will not be condemned forgiven you'll be given and he talks about the measure of forgiveness given to be given to you. good measure pressed down shaken together and running over that's the forgiveness that god has given us amen we poured into our lap for that same measure will be measured to us so again how can we not forgive with that measure of forgiveness that we've had poured onto us how can we not forgive others amen 1 John 4 verse 20 says this, and someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. That's a statement, isn't it? If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? So when someone has wronged us, these are the realities, and I, I, myself and Wendy, we've helped people pastorally with this in, in the past. When someone has wronged you, it can cause bitterness and even hatred, if not forgiven. This is why God wants us to be free of it. Amen. Matthew 6, verse 12 to 14, in, in what we often call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when you sin against your heavenly Father, will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So you see, again, Jesus is making, this, making a link between the two. That if we understand what we're being forgiven from, then we have no option, we have no, we have no choice it's not something that's just kind of an, an optional add-on for, for a Christian. Well, I, I just want to walk in unforgiveness. Well, it's like, <laughs> that's going to cause you a whole load of issues. And it's going to hinder you. It's going to slow you down in your race. You're not going to step into all that God has, has for you. You know, the life of Jesus, he had a whole lifestyle of forgiving others. And you see that over and over and over again when people let him down, his disciples let him down, uh, Peter let him down. Peter promised he would never disown him and was the, like, one of the first ones to disown him. When Jesus was arrested, all his disciples basically ran away, didn't they? Um, you know, people let him down over and over and over again. I said the religious leaders, they should have known who Jesus was. They knew the scriptures inside out. They knew all the prophecies about Jesus throughout Isaiah, all the prophecies about who Jesus was going to be. And, you know, they were just jealous, just jealous of Jesus. And the very people who should have known who Jesus was, they didn't, didn't get who he was and they, they, they wanted him dead. And Jesus was living in constant forgiveness. You know, I don't know about the things we have to forgive in our lives, but I don't think they're the same, same level as what Jesus had to forgive. He was just constantly living in, in forgiveness. Amen? Not, not holding grudges against people. He, he, he just loved people. Amen? You know, and also I'm just going to make a bit of a statement. It's a bit of a blunt statement, but sometimes that just needs to be said. Unforgiveness, walking in unforgiveness is actually pointless. It's completely and utterly pointless. And what I mean by that is, and, and I've, dealt with this pastorally one lady was dealing with she, she refused her husband had, they'd got divorced and he'd gone off with somebody else that's what led to the divorce and 
she was a Christian, he hadn't been a Christian. Um, and basically, she just could not let go of what her husband had done to her. And, and don't get me wrong, she was really hurting emotionally. And I, I get all that. As I said, this doesn't make these things okay. But she just would not move on from that position. And, and she got to a stage where she almost, what was happening is she thought she was hurting her ex-husband by having unforgiveness towards him. And, and we had to have kind of like a really honest conversation, in a, in, which is basically along the lines of basically your husband's moved on, your ex-husband's moved on. He's on with his life, he's married to somebody else. He probably isn't even bothered what you think, and, and that's, I know that's a bit brutal, but that's just a pastoral reality here. He isn't, probably isn't even bothered whether you've forgiven him, what you think of him, whether you hate him, love him, are okay with him, indifferent with him. He's moved on with his life. And so we had to have some real kind of like uh, interesting kind of pastoral chats about that. Because all it was doing, the reason I'm saying all that is all it was doing is affecting her. Wasn't it even affecting him? The reason she was walking in unforgiveness actually wasn't even doing what she intended, which was, which was to hurt him. He just moved on with his life. They had no, they had no contact anymore. But, but she thought she could hurt him by, by still being angry with him. And it was causing a whole load of issue yeah, in our life. So sometimes we can think that we're hurting or getting revenge on the person who wronged us if we've refused to forgive them. Maybe we feel that people just don't deserve to be forgiven. But remember, this isn't about what anyone deserves. We don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve forgiveness, do we? None of us deserve forgiveness. It's all because of grace, Ephesians, 4, Ephesians 2, 9 and 10. We'll come back to that point. None of us deserve forgiveness. All of us were, would be under the wrath of God if it, if it wasn't for the cross. We've all done stuff that we, we regret. Has anyone here, you've done nothing that you regret? Awesome. I'd love to chat with you. That'd be great. Let's have a great conversation about that and your perfect life that you've lived. Awesome. Amazing. We've all done stuff that we regret. There's all things, if time machines existed, there's all things that we'd, we'd go back and we would do, do this something differently, right? Just me. Maybe nobody else. <laughs> it's literally just me. Okay. We'd go back and do some things differently, right? We'd make different, we'd make different decisions. We'd react, we'd react in different ways. So, all, so none of us deserve forgiveness. And this, again, that's key to understanding it. Because like the un, the, in the un, parable of the unmerciful servant, he didn't, the guy who owed equivalent of five billion, he didn't deserve to be forgiven. He got, he'd racked up a monument. I don't even know how he'd racked up this debt because Jesus didn't explain that in the story. But he's racked up this huge debt, probably on, on wild and crazy living. Did he deserve to be forgiven? Well, probably not, no. But, but, the, but the king was merciful towards him, right? So n- none of us deserve mercy or grace. You know, the word grace, it literally means unmerited favor. You now, we have the favor of God upon us, but it's totally unmerited. It's all because of Jesus. Amen? So the reality is un- uh, walking in unforgiveness when we refuse to let go, when we refuse to f- uh, forgive people, the reality is it only affects us. It ties us up in knots. It binds us. It hinders us. Uh, it consumes our thinking. It can cause anger. It can cause e- e- even hatred to its kind of extreme level. It will consume our thinking. And then we'll, because of that, these will be like weights and burdens upon us. We'll struggle to run that race that God has for us. Remember, God wants us to live free. Amen? And, and to run free. Yes. You know, God, God understands that. So God wants us to, to let those things go. Ephesians 4, verse 26 and 27, Paul writes this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Mark 11, verse 25, Jesus said, When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your heart, Father in heaven, may forgive your sins. You see this over and over and over again, the same principle. So here's kind of my challenge. You don't need to put your hand up. You don't need to say anything. But just think about this. Is there any, anybody in your life you're holding something against? Could be someone in your life right now, something from your past. Are you holding anything against anyone? Is there anyone in your life that you're angry with because they've wronged you? And they may genuinely have wronged you and wronged you significantly. I accept those, that, that could be a reality. But is there anyone you're angry with because you feel wronged? 
you know, God wants to deal with those things this morning. God wants us to move on with that stuff. Amen. And just to let that stuff, to let that stuff go. Get my notes. <laughs> to let that stuff go. Amen. You know, in relationships we have, mar- marriage is a huge one in, for this. You know, forgiveness in, in marriage is a huge, is a whole topic in itself. You can spend the whole like, series talking about that. Forgiveness in marriage is a huge thing. If you're, if you're married this morning, I'd encourage you to, you know, it's this 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter, as we often call it. Often gets quoted and read, read at weddings. And it talks about keeping short accounts. I'd really encourage you to do that, to keep short accounts. What I mean by that is there are times you're going to be frustrated. You've got two people living in the same house. <laughs> I'm serious. You've got two different ways of doing things. You have different views whether you keep the toilet seat up, where the toothbrush goes, when you put the bins out, how, how tidy a house is. You're going to have different views of what is tidy and what is not tidy. Right? Anyone else, anyone else agree with the stuff? What, what's, what's clean? What is not clean? Who does, who does what jobs? All that kind of stuff. And then this is all just kind of minor stuff. There could be more significant, significant stuff from this. Who takes, the, who takes the kids to school? All that, all that kind of stuff. Who does the cleaning? Who does the decorating? Who puts the, who puts the bins out? Is that a man's job? Is it a woman's job? Is it both their jobs? What a view on, on what, what a woman does and what a man does? Who does the cooking? All that kind of, all that kind of stuff. This, this is stuff you all have to work out when you're married. Marriage is amazing. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and it is. It truly is. Marriage is an incredible... No, I'm serious. Okay. It sounds, it sounds like it isn't. Okay. Sorry? <laughs> no, indeed. No, marriage is marriage is marriage is amazing. Um, it really is. But these but these are genuine things you all have to work through. They, they really are. So so forgiveness is so forgiveness becomes a significant thing in marriage. And obviously, and maybe in your marriage, there's been things that are much more serious than that. Um, you know, it could be infidelity. It could be all kind of stuff that can happen. But again, there still needs to be a place for forgiveness. Absolutely. So, so it's a huge topic, but I encourage you to hold short accounts. Now, uh, Paul talks about that. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Myself and Wendy, we haven't always got this right, but certainly have tried uh, to get it right, is to deal with something before, before you go to bed. Don't go to, don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed annoyed, frustrated. Uh, you'll get bitter throughout the night. You probably won't sleep, and in the morning you'll be even more annoyed and angry <laughs> when you went to bed. So Paul, this is what Paul's addressing here. Deal with it. It isn't just true in marriage either. This is in all, all types of relationships, you know, with parents, with the parents, with their children, work colleagues, <laughs> whatever the situation may be. But don't, you know, don't go to bed angry. D- deal with it. Amen? You know, Jesus here talks about forgiving 77 times. I read a quote which made me laugh. As a wife says to her husband, um, I don't think I can forgive you again. I've already, I've already forgiven you 77 times a day. Because Jesus talks about forgiving 77 times. I've already forgiven you 77 times all in one day. And the husband responded, well, if you've truly forgiven me each time, I'd be restarting at one. <laughs> so, I, thought, I thought it was a great comment. So, so if, she, if, if she had truly forgiven, why was she still counting? I was like, well, she clearly hadn't forgiven them. But yeah, hold short accounts. Amen? And so there's a need for forgiveness in all types of relationships, not, not just marriage. But Jesus wants us to live and to run in freedom. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. So God wants us to move on from that. Amen? Understand what we've been forgiven from, have a revelation of that, and then walk in forgiveness. Amen? I just want to kind of encourage you just to stand. I'm just going to get you just to, we're just going to basically just deal with this, deal with this head on. And just to think about this, this is just purely between you and God. Don't worry about what anyone else is thinking. This is between you and God. Is there anyone or any person in your life you're still holding something against somebody? I want you to just think about that. There's no judgment here. There's no condemnation. Remember, Romans 8 says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. This is not about condemning any, anyone. This is about just dealing with this, these realities. And let's get, let's get free of this stuff. 
Amen? Is there anyone that you're angry with right now in your life because they've wronged you? Are you holding anything against anyone? God wants you, wants you to put those right in your heart and to move on and to live free and, and to run free and to all he has, to run the race free, uh, unhindered. Amen? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, pray a prayer. This is not a salvation prayer. This is a prayer for, for, and I encourage us all to say it. And just to repeat after me, just to get this dealt with once and for all. Remember, the starting place of this is what Jesus did on the cross. I understand what we've been forgiven from. So let's say this together. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for what you have redeemed me from. That monumental debt of sin. You've forgiven me. You've washed me clean. You've made me new. I owe you nothing. Lord Jesus, I forgive anyone that I'm holding anything against. I forgive anyone that I'm angry with or bitter with or refusing to forgive. I want to live in your freedom. I want to run free unhindered. I want to live right for you. I choose to let these things go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand and ask you to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as people have prayed that, Lord God, I just pray right now there no total freedom, total release. Those things that may have burdened them for months, years, even decades, Lord, that there no total freedom from that right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that no longer will be a burden. It will no longer be something that consumes their thinking. Lord, they will just totally move on from it, Lord Jesus. Lord, and they'll just walk, Lord, in total forgiveness. Lord, may we all know, Lord, what we've been forgiven from, what the cross has done for us, that monumental debt you've removed. I'm just going to pray a second prayer related to that about about Jesus and the cross. And this is an opportunity for anyone who doesn't yet know God. You know, the Bible Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And sin, it just means anything we've ever done wrong. We've all done stuff, and we talked about this earlier. But if we had a time machine, we'd go back, and we'd stuff we'd change and do differently. And as as Christians, we we all get that, and we understand that. None of us have lived perfect lives. We're holy because of Jesus and righteous because of Jesus. And you can know that same holiness and righteousness in your life. You can know what it is to live forgiven. Now, Jesus died on a cross for you 2,000 years ago. And even at that point, he already knew you. He knew you as a fetus. He knew who you were going to be, everything you were going to do. He knows everything about you. And in 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross to, to, to take the weight of sin and anything we could ever do wrong so that the price would be paid for it. And you can know what it is to live forgiven and to live free. You can know what it is to have the promise of eternal life when you leave this earth. If that's you this morning, I just encourage you to, to pray this prayer. Maybe you need to get some, just some things back on track with God. I'd encourage you to pray this prayer. If you've just wandered and drifted off onto a different path, you're a Christian, but you just need to get things, just do business with God this morning, I'd encourage you to pray this as well. Let's pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for me. Thank you that you died on a cross for me so that I could be forgiven. I ask you now to come into my life, to wash me clean, to make me new. I want to live for you. I want to live free. I want want to live free from the debt of sin. I want to know the promise of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.
And if you prayed that prayer this morning, and you've never ever prayed a prayer like that before, or you're getting some things back on track with God this morning, I just encourage you to raise your hand and say, yeah, Pastor Paul, I prayed that prayer, because we'd love to chat with you and pray with you afterwards. Is there anyone this morning? Don't miss your opportunity. Amen. God is so good. Amen. God, you're wonderful. You're a wonderful, wonderful God. Thank you for what we've been forgiven from. Lord, and may we live out of that place. When we hold short accounts, oh God, may we always walk in forgiveness. May we, may we let things go, Lord, because you don't want us to live burdened. We know that unforgiveness, it just, affects, it just affects us. It doesn't affect anybody else. It just affects us and burdens us and hinders us. You, you want us to, to live free. Lord, you say, Lord, come to me, all you who are uh, weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. And Lord, you want us to live in rest and to run in rest. You don't want us to be weary or burdened. Lord, so we just let that stuff go. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.